Welcome to the Burn Hickory Podcast, where you can listen to our sermons each week. Our mission is to reach everyone around us with the hope of Christ. And our goal is that you'll find a place where you can learn, grow, live, and thrive in a faith family. Now let's get ready to dig into Scripture and see what God has for us today. Well, listen, over the last month uh, of December, we have been focusing in and spotlighting a few different ways to live for the kingdom. This whole month has been about the kingdom of God. We had Peter Abungu here two weeks ago talking about what God is doing in Nairobi and the surrounding areas and how our goal is to be transformed and not conformed so that we can live out the kingdom. Last week, we spent some time with the Waymark children's people that looking at the vulnerable children of our community and how can we come around them and how can we support them and kudos to you guys by the way as of last week over 50 of you said yes to Waymark last week uh, to come alongside them in taking care of foster kids in our community which is incredible to have that they were blown out of the water last week just of your response to them next week let me give you a little foreshadow Next week, we are actually going to look at the persecuted church and how we can pray for them, how we can lift them up, and how we are incredibly blessed in just being able to worship in a way that we're not afraid for our life. We're not scared. Something is going to happen in church. So next week, you don't want to miss it. I know it's Grandma's House weekend. I get that, all right? But drive home early Sunday morning. Drive home late on Saturday night and be here next week. But in the middle of all of this kingdom living conversation, what I wanted to do this morning is just pause and give you one of the central truths to our faith of what it looks like to walk our faith out in kingdom living. This morning, we're going to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in this, because here's what I know about walking out kingdom living. If we do it on our own, if we rest in our own power, if we use our own strength or even our own knowledge, that may carry us for a little while in our talents and charisma, but without the Spirit of God, you will live an incredibly frustrated spiritual life. You will eventually burn out, you will eventually get frustrated, and you will eventually give up. So today, we're going to look at what it looks like to ask the Holy Spirit, to rely on the Holy Spirit, and to ask Him to move in us. And we're going to do it today by looking at what I would just call one of the most awkward New Testament moments of all times. We're going to look at an awkward story today where something happens and nobody really knows what to do. How many of you would say that you enjoy awkward conversations? Um, Usually in my experience, there are 10% of us, I'm going to lump myself up into this one, right? That enjoy awkwardness. There's about 90% of you that just wish you never had another awkward conversation, right? I happen to be in the camp that I kind of like awkwardness sometimes. I like to sit in it because I love the social experiment of watching what happens when awkward stuff comes up. You know what I'm talking about. There's this conversation that's happening. There's a dinner that's happening. There's something in your house that's happening. Something goes down and nobody knows what to say, right? Nobody knows how to deal with it. These personalities come up. The first personality is the person that just 
wants to pretend like nothing happens. That might be you in awkward conversations where you just want to pretend like it's not happening, praying to God to let it go, right? The second person is the goal. The the goal of the second person is that they just want to make it worse, right? This is usually your firstborn, right? They want to make the whole awkward situation. I play this role sometimes, right? I just love to just bask in the awkwardness, right? Some of you, that's where you are. The third person in awkward conversations is what I just call the peacekeeper. They just want peace at all levels. They will take the blunt of the whole conversation if they can just make it go away, right? And then the fourth person, the usually the fourth person is the one that just speaks out, that just wants to get through the conversation. Well, this morning, we're going to see an incredibly awkward awkward moment in the life of the church. It has to be an awkward moment, but it's not just an awkward moment. It's a moment that changed history. It's a moment that changed the church, and it's quite possibly one of the most important moments of the Big C Church and can be one of the most important moments of our lives. It's a day that changed everything. If you got a copy of Scripture, turn with me to the book of Acts, to the book of Acts in chapter 2. The book of Acts in chapter 2. Let me kind of catch you up on what is happening in this moment. Jesus has risen from the grave, and for 40 days, he has walked on the earth. And he does this incredible works. He has this incredible things that are happening. The disciples in this moment are just kind of along for the ride. And then Jesus looks at those that were closest to him, his disciples. He looks at them in Acts 1, and he says, hey, I want you to wait. I want you to wait because the Holy Spirit is coming. And the Holy Spirit is going to change everything. And so the disciples, I'm sure, when they heard that, they they thought that it was going to happen instantaneously, right? But the moments became minutes, the minutes became hours, the hours became days. Because after all, Jesus said this and ascended to heaven, right? If you go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus' last message to the disciples was this. Let me read it to you. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, this is the thesis statement of the whole book of Acts. But when the disciples heard this from Jesus, they watched Jesus ascend back to God. But now they're wondering, okay, how long? How long is this going to take, right? Like any good motivated person, they're wondering, how long is this? Well, today we're going to pick up the text of the disciples in the upper room waiting on God. Now, before we do that, though, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to wait? Have you ever been in a season of waiting? Listen, waiting is terrible. It's terrible. And that's where we find the disciples. The disciples have been waiting for 10 days. And they're at the third largest Jewish festival of the time, which is Pentecost. They're held up in this room. They were coming together to worship. But now we're at Pentecost, the celebration of harvest and the celebration of the law. And in this moment, we're about to join... Jews from all over the world came into Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost, which was a harvest celebration of God giving them harvest physically and spiritually, and it was a celebration of God giving them the law. This celebration that they're entering into, and this is going to matter in a minute— It's a celebration of what God did in Moses' life through the burning bush. What God did in Moses' life through God leading Moses through the wilderness, through the fire at night and the pillar of 
during the day. This was a celebration of God raining down on the mountain of God and engulfing it in fire. It was a celebration of a new covenant in Moses and God's people. So for 1,600 years, people had been coming to Jerusalem to celebrate this harvest and law festival. It was a good time of year to do it. It was in the spring. The barley harvest had just happened. They were waiting on the wheat harvest. The money was good. They came from all over the world to celebrate what God had done. And in that moment, we join Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Let's jump in and watch what happens when the Holy Spirit shows up. It says this, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. In other words, they were gathered together. They were in this upper room. The disciples were there, Mary and Mary and Martha and many others. There was about 120 of them that were gathered in this place. What were they doing? They were worshiping and they were praying for 10 days. That's what they were doing. Verse 2, and suddenly like a like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So suddenly this sound, like a blowing of this violent wind happened after waiting for 10 days, watching the time pass when no one expected it. Suddenly, out of nowhere, God shows up. But let me ask you this. Isn't that kind of how God works most of the time? Isn't that how God worked when he saved you? Isn't that how God works when he does big things in your life, right? It seems like it comes after a season that we're really just not even looking for it. When you go back to your faith story, most of your faith stories go something like this. I got invited to this deal. I wanted the pizza and the girl, but I got God, right? I got invited to this service and God did something in me. It's exactly what's happening to these people in this upper room. They weren't expecting it, but God shows up and he pressed into their lives and he changed them. Look what happened. It says, suddenly a sound like a violent wind. In other words, like a freight train, like a tornado. When I was in the third grade, my dreams came true. Literally. You know how many times you do that fire drill in third grade? You know how many times you do the tornado drill in third grade? In the third grade, a tornado ripped the roof off of my elementary school. It was the coolest thing ever, right? Coolest thing ever. But when it happened, I still remember the sound of that tornado coming over our roof. Nobody got hurt. It was cool, all right? I'm not that kind of guy, right? But we did get a couple days of school. It was awesome, right? That's what it's describing here. The sound roared. It was a booming moment. Don't picture wind blowing through the upper room. When I was a kid, I thought that's what it was. This wind blew through. No, it's a boom. I want you to notice what it doesn't say in the text. It doesn't say that in the middle of their worship and prayer that God was hiding in the corner going, hey, remember me, remember me, right? No, God showed up with a booming presence. Let me just have an honest moment with you for a minute. I'm so sick of a wimpy view of God that many people have. I'm so sick of many people's view of God as this little thin-armed, flowy-haired little figure that's just walking the streets. No, God is powerful. And God is mighty to save. That's what we're seeing. He shows up in power. And so much power that not only the people in this room heard what was happening, people around them. Look at verse 3. It says, they saw... Now notice that they'd already heard, but now they're seeing. 
they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came down to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak to each other in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, in your minds, don't think of like a big human tongue that is hanging out over the room. All right? When I was a kid, once again, that's what I thought. I don't know why. It's just kind of what came in my mind. When it says tongues here, think of little flickering flames. They're almost in the shape of a tongue. Think of a candle flame, maybe a little bit bigger that that just came into the room, that sat above them in the room. And remember, why are they in Jerusalem? They're in Jerusalem to celebrate Pentecost. They're in Jerusalem to celebrate this moment of God's presence and God's law and God's guidance and God falling on fire on his people and on the mountain of God. And what is God doing God in this moment of this week is coming to this sacred place. And in this moment, when they're there to celebrate what God has done in the past, God, watch this, put the pieces together, gives them a new covenant. He gives them a new message. Don't miss this because the fire from this point backwards had rested on a place. But now God's presence was given to the people It's given to the people. In fact, write this principle down. I think it'll help you. Write this one down. God's presence was no longer to be celebrated for falling on a place. Because it is now falling onto and into his people. See, church, this is an incredible, incredible, incredible story. Why? Because now God has moved from being here to being in. That's the difference. This is what Jesus had promised. This is happening. This is what Acts 1.8, Jesus on his last day on this earth had promised them. This is what John 14 and John 15 and John 16 says when the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, is what cleanses us and purifies us and gives us power. God is now in us. And this is such an incredible gift. Incredible blessing. So what happened to them? What happened is, is they all began to speak languages that they didn't know. They all began to speak as the Spirit enabled them. Seems a little weird, right? Until you really know the story. I want to point something out about the Bible as you study the Bible, in Acts especially, there is what is called prescriptive language and descriptive language. Now, this is for your nerdy people, all right? Here it is. Prescriptive language tells us what we should do Descriptive language just describes the character and the power of God. This is descriptive language, which means this. This is not something that we're supposed to mimic. This is not something that we're even supposed to chase after. This is not something that's even normative for the church. Could it happen? Yes. But it's not like a command from God to happen. It's caused a lot of church dispute for a lot of years, right? What God is showing after this is he's saying this. Listen, my spirit has moved from the temple to now rest over and in my people. And because of that, you can rest assured that you can walk in my power. Look what happened in the story. Verse 4, it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So think of it like this. Think of everybody that could be there from every nation where it's there that time. Now think about it, though. How amazing is it 
that the first time after Jesus left this earth that the gospel was preached, it was now preached not under the power of some guy standing at a temple. It was preached in the power of the Holy Spirit at a place that all the nations were gathered. You know what this says to us? This says to us that God is the God that wants every nation to come to him. The God is a God that wants all to know him. The gospel of Jesus is not some Anglo-American gift to the world. It's for everybody. There's no room in the gospel for favoritism. God is looking at his people and he's saying, you need to love people. And God is in the business of unifying people. Watch what happened in verse 6. It says, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment. And because each one of them heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't these who are speaking this, aren't they just Galileans? They were like, wait a minute. These are like uneducated people from the top side. That's a little fishing village. What are they doing, right? How did these guys learn all these languages? Scholars tell us that this would have been somewhere between 19 and 21 languages to people all over the known world. In fact, look at verse 8. It tells you who he spoke it to. Then how is it, verse 8, that each of us hears them in our own language, Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts, the Cretans and the Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? What's happening here? The crowd doesn't understand. They heard this booming noise. They came and all of a sudden they weren't hearing Greek being spoken anymore or Aramaic. They were now hearing their language. Everyone that is in the crowd is now hearing the gospel being preached in their heart language. And they were praising God. But there's always those people that don't believe. Look at verse 13. Some, however made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine, right? Those Galileans, they must have got started early, right? There it is. But what are we seeing here? Obviously, I want you to read the rest of the story this week. What we're seeing here is the disciples now move from waiting. They now move from relying on the person of Jesus to tell them every move. And they now move to walk kingdom living out in the power of the Holy Spirit. They move, and at this moment, they proclaim the love of God. Peter preached the first Christian message. Many trust. The church starts. It goes from 120 to 3,000 people. Why? Because the Holy Spirit fell. Church, can I just tell you this? This has now given us access to the Spirit of God. This has now given us access to no longer have to depend on a place, no longer have to depend on a temple, no longer have to just look backwards. We can now look at the fact that King Jesus has given us his spirit to live in power and to live in his presence. Now, that is what happened. Now, that that could be enough for us. Just close our Bible and go, that's a great story, Matt. See you next week. But we're not. Because part of studying the Bible is not to just look at the events, but is to look at what is God pointing to in our lives, right? How is God moving in our lives? Is God asking us to pray for a Pentecost moment? Not necessarily. 
But he does give us a couple principles, a couple walkaways that I want to give you for kingdom living. Number one in the story, God has shown us that we need to submit and trust in God's timing and not our timing. Why? Because God's timing, it's always perfect. It's always perfect. When you think about these disciples, they had seen God's power through Jesus. I mean, we can't even imagine all they've seen, right? They'd experienced the resurrection. They'd saw the acts of God. They'd been used by God. They, in fact, on their own, they had performed many miracles. They wanted more than anything to see God move through them. But for 10 days, Jesus told them, pause. In fact, Acts 1-4, look what it says. Jesus told them, do not, lose, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For 10 days, they met and they waited. They met and they waited. Church, listen to me closely. God's timing is always perfect. It's always perfect, but sometimes we have to wait. Sometimes we have to wait. And listen, waiting is hard. Waiting is so hard for them, but it's particularly hard for us, right? I mean, we're an instant society. I mean, I got this little throat deal going on, and I feel like junk today. So I was back in the offices just a minute ago, heating up the little tea kettle to get some tea in this thing. So I was like, Lord, give me one more service. And I'm standing there for like four minutes, and I'm mad at the tea kettle, right? Because it won't boil the water. (laughs) That's how instant we are. But I think sometimes that's what translates into our spiritual life sometimes. We think that God should operate on my timing, We think that God should operate in my world under my rules. And we try to force the spirit to work on our schedule. And listen, that never works. In fact, King David said it like this in Psalm 40. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand. Look at this in verse three. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Therefore, watch this last part of the verse. You can write therefore in the margin of school. Many will see and fear the Lord and will put their trust in him. You see, God could have acted faster. He could have acted, right? He could have sent the spirit on day one through 30. He could have sent the spirit when Jesus was here. It wouldn't have mattered. He could have sent the spirit on day 49, But he didn't. Why? Well, ultimately, we see through history, he didn't because he wanted to send the Spirit on a day that they were already celebrating covenant. They were already celebrating the law. They were already celebrating a harvest from God. And he wanted to celebrate a day that a new covenant could be given, that from that point forward, we all have access to the Holy Spirit. That's why he did it right here. He said, go. Now go on his timing. But let me give you a few caveats for God's timing, though, because we're pretty process-oriented people. When it comes to God's timing, yes, we do wait on God, but let me just give you this warning. When God says move, we need to move. When God says go, we need to go. But also on the other side of that, when it comes to making a move for God, for serving him and for living in his kingdom, there are some things in our life that we don't need to ask him when we need to do it. He's already told us to do it. He's already told us to move. He's already told us to walk. He's already told us to move forward. So listen, in those things when it comes to serving God, that God has already given us the commands to do it, assume that the answer is yes. 
And then allow God, like he did in the disciples' lives, to say, wait. So you don't have to pray whether you need to talk to your neighbor about who Jesus is. We've got the command already. You don't need to pray whether you need to get up and read your Bible in the morning. We've already been given that command. You don't need to pray whether you need to be a part of a local body of Christ or whether you need to be a giving, tithing person. We know that's what God has told us. Assume yes, let God say wait. The problem with most of us is we're stuck on wait and we're asking God, he's gonna, you're going to have to knock the door down for me to move. Number two, kingdom walk away is that we should stand assured in God's promises and not assured in our strengths. Man, if there's one thing you can hear this morning, hear this. It's only through God's power and God's spirit that we will continually be able to make a difference. For 40 days, they had watched Jesus. They had heard all of this, but they're not in the streets yet. Why? Because they heard Jesus say, not yet. It's because of my power you're going to be able to do this. Church, listen to me. It is so tiring to try to walk this faith walk out on our own. We can't do it. We will always fail. We will always pull up short. We will always be frustrated. We have to rely on the spirit in our lives so that we can move. It's so tiring. The best thing that some of us in here could do in our relationship with God is just come to him just like this and go, God, I can't do it. I can not do it. You're going to have to. You know, it's at that moment, that posture of submission, that God says, I will move. I'll move. I love Amos 4.13. Listen to this, describing God. He says, for who forms the mountains? Who creates the wind? Who reveals his thoughts to mankind? Who turns the dark dawn to darkness? Who treads on the heights of the earth? Watch what he says. The Lord Almighty is his name. You see, in most of our lives, the problem is we want to put our name on the backside of that conversation. And God says, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. We stand in his promises, not our promises. And we wait, but their waiting wasn't passive. Their waiting was in the word. Their waiting was in worship. Their waiting was walking out the principles of God. Number one, trust in God's timing, not ours. Number two, stand assured in God's promises, not our promises. Here's the third one. This one's pretty quick. Number three, walk in confidence that you have the spirit. If you haven't heard anything else in this, those of you that are believers in Jesus today, listen to me closely. The Holy Spirit is a gift. It's a gift that has been given to you that now enables you, not because of your abilities, not because of your power, not because of your social status, to walk in him. Just pause for a second and think about this. And if you've given your life to Jesus, the Spirit of God is in you. You're no longer visiting it at a place. You're no longer celebrating it as part of a festival. It's in you. And you can do incredible things when you begin to rely and have confidence on the Spirit. The maker of the universe is in you. In fact, in Acts 2.4, it says all of them <clears throat> were filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, that's the prayer. Every day is, God, don't fill me with myself. Fill me with you. 
God, don't fill me with my desires. Fill me with your desires. God, don't fill me with me first. Fill me with your spirit first. Fill me with you. In fact, if you move through Acts chapter 2, you will see Peter do this very thing when he stands up as an ordinary guy to preach the gospel. And 3,000 people come to know Jesus. If you read the rest of the book of Acts, over 45 times you will see the Spirit move and the disciples follow. Why? Because they realize what it's worth, what it looks like to walk in the Spirit. Why? Because God was in them. He was in them. And God is in every single believer's life. So as we're focusing on this kingdom living thing, listen, I love looking back at what God's doing in Kenya. I love looking back at what God's doing in vulnerable children. I love looking next week at what God's going to do in the persecuted church. But listen, first and foremost, I love it when we can look at the idea that our role in life is to link up with the Spirit of God that has been given to us and to walk in His power. Can can I tell you one of the biggest worries I have for us as a church? One of the biggest worries is that, generally speaking, this church has everything it needs. It has incredibly talented people that lead up here on Sundays, that lead life groups, that walk out discipling, mentoring. Our, our, our whole team here is incredible. We've been given a lifestyle that there's not a lot of dependency in. And in a lot of ways, we can make it very far, all of us, on charisma and talent. But let me just beg you today to pray. God, it's your spirit that needs to lead us. It's your spirit that needs to guide us. It's your spirit that's going to show us the way. Can we just live a life that celebrates kingdom living, that points to the fact that God seals us eternity and gives us his spirit to guide us. Lord, today, as we come to you in these couple of minutes of prayer, Lord Jesus, God, my prayer is that we can move from becoming a people that just attend an event to celebrate a festival to a people that are filled with your spirit in such a way that God, you enable us to see mighty things happen for your kingdom. But God, in that, I realize that that's gonna have us laying down ourselves. That's going to have me coming to you in a posture of submission, saying, God, I don't know how to do this. I don't know where the power is going to come from. I don't know how to walk this out in my life. And God, I know well enough that that is not a position that many of us like to be in. But God, today show us how we can walk and love and enjoy your spirit, Lord Jesus. God, there's a whole other part of the story talking about the Holy Spirit, and that's just realizing that there's people here that, that don't know the Holy Spirit, that have never given their life to Jesus and never had the Spirit placed in them. God, today, I just pray that around this whole room today, you are showing people, God, what could be given to them? 
what gift they could have bestowed on their lives. And that, Lord Jesus, you can forgive them and radically save them and set them apart and give them your spirit to live inside of them. Lord, in this moments of invitation, God, if somebody needs to give their life to Jesus today and invite the spirit in their life, God, let it be. God, if somebody needs prayer today and somebody just needs ministry over them today, somebody to walk with them today, God, we have people available for that. God, I just pray that we all walk from this place today with a posture of saying, yes, Lord Jesus, let your spirit fill me. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. I'll be right over here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Were you inspired? Maybe you've got questions. Do you want to know more about Jesus? Then we'd love to hear from and connect with you. So take the next step with us by visiting burnthickory.com slash next. Again, thanks for listening. And hey, stay tuned by subscribing and stay up to date by downloading the Burn Hickory app.